Welcome to Interviews. My name is Laurent Autain. I'm a business coach on a quest to crack the entrepreneurship code. So I thought, why not talk to entrepreneurs and ask them the right questions? I make sure to alternate between a male and a female guest every week. I hope their answers will inspire you. This podcast is available on all your favorite platforms. If you enjoy it, there are three ways you can help me make it bigger. One, subscribe. Two, share your favorite episode on social media. Three, buy me a pizza. Blog on my website, laurentnotin.com slash podcast and click on the icon, buy me a pizza. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency managed by a highly qualified team and operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communications, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking, and much more. Find out more about them on their website www.socialprize.me. Hi, thank you for joining interviews. Today we're going to Sweden. I'm with Ola Sass, the founder, CEO, and chairman of Soundtrack Your Brand, the world's largest online commercial music catalog. Hello, Ola. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Let's start. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, I'm a um, hopeless fanatic in the music tech space. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been uh, doing music startups for 12 years now um, and mainly focusing on, you know, the digitization of the music industry Mm. and um, currently distribution and the latest startup. uh, I'm focusing on distribution in the B2B space. Right. meaning uh, supplying businesses around the world with music in their restaurant, in their cafe, in their retail shop, in their office, anywhere where music is in the public domain, I'm bringing streaming to that context. How long have you been an entrepreneur for? Um, I would say almost 20 years. So oh. uh, since, since I realized that I didn't really fit in in the normal world. So <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I realized that I kind of like um, running my own companies and, and uh, running with my own ideas and, and didn't really fit it in the, the big corporations or kind of end up in being a structured employee, basically. So I've been, but I think my main entrepreneurial drive came when I started with music and started working with uh, my passion mm. um, and being able to actually fulfill a professional career and make a living um, working in the music space. So that's really four companies later, I've been quite deep into the whole changing music market and the global opportunity. And I did a bet that it was going to change 12 years ago. And uh, four companies later, I think we're getting there. Right. I mean, (laughs) four, four companies later, yeah. You must be hooked or crazy. <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> Why for companies? Why are you so hooked? I mean, what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur? I think, um, I mean, there's, there's two sides of the coin, right? There's a passion and kind of a soft reason. And mm. then there's the logical kind of analytical reason. So if I start with the, 
the, the analytical side of it. I think I, I always approach things uh, looking at the, you know, the potential and the analytical mindset, looking at a market in this instance. And for music, it was very clear to me that the market was changing. Mm. Um, it was digitizing right in front of us. Uh, I mean, 12 years ago, we didn't have App Store. We didn't have Spotify. We didn't have Apple Music. We didn't have iTunes. Uh, but what we did have was a, a shift in the market from analog to digital. Mm. And I saw that. I mean, and then we also saw that the industry was getting significantly hit by uh, illegal file sharing, you know, Napsters and LimeWires and, and peer-to-peer. And obviously a powerful market like the music market that's global, uh, everyone listens to music something would happen there when, when digitization come, the music file was going digital. And that was kind of the catalyst for me to start analyzing the market around, okay, what's going to happen in a music market 10 years down the line when it's completely digitized. So that was the analytical mindset of me taking a bet that this is a perfect market space and a perfect market disruption inflection point mm. in order to invest and my time and the money and the resources that I had into that macro. And then if you take the soft side and kind of the emotional side, um, I was personally not happy with, with what I was doing previously. I was, I was in management consulting. I was uh, doing very well in, in the bigger kind of communication space around the world with, with, you know, high profile roles and, my own companies in that space, um, but I, I wasn't happy at all. Mm. I was becoming more and more cynical uh, about what I was doing, and and it wasn't it wasn't a positive development. So I kind of needed to soul search and look at. I need to actually find um, a space, uh, a work environment, an industry, if you may, where actually I can be happy. And and the music industry or the sports industry were probably the two main contesters on that one contenders sorry and uh, in, in this instance the the music market was changing so kind of the logical side of my brain together with the emotional side of my brain um came to the same conclusion that it was music all in and so you took you took a leap of faith and you you went for it correct well well i mean 20 years after four companies later on i mean <laughs> not too yeah. bad apparently no, I mean, as, as, all, as, as in all entrepreneurial kind of efforts, I think you always read about the few that really, you know, succeed. Mm. Um, and then you forget about the thousands that actually struggle and fail, and, and, and which is a natural thing in entrepreneurship. I mean, failure is probably the norm rather mm. than success. So people forget about that. So I was also... I'd previously been building companies and I was well aware that kind of this was a high risk area as well. It was very early in kind of the market disruption. So I was more or less prepared to take a couple of hits, right? Coming into it. Um, and that always helps. So I didn't bet everything on one, one bet, uh, everything on one color. I think connecting the dots in between your being able to work with your passion and follow uh, an emotional move to change your industry and change your career 
connected with a rational belief that you can always fall back back on when when you know it gets tough mm. and it's going to get tough when you make when you make a jump into a market like i did in a very very dysfunctional market like the music industry um you needed to be prepared for you know not everything going your way um actually the opposite so but i always had my rational thinking and my logical analysis of the music market and the change that i foresaw yeah. uh, as something to hold on to uh, and i still have 110% belief in that and obviously it's becoming more and more true every day we see the change in the market that's uh you know this this other entrepreneurs talk about it the same way you do and i think it's an important um element like yes failure is part of it but if you have this you know this vision if some if something that is bigger than you is guiding you you will go you can go across any challenges is that what you're saying absolutely i mean that's why i'm still here um i have done multiple companies and actually some of them have been successful some of them have not been successful in the music space mm. but all of them were based on the same thesis on the market and how the market would change and then i think the ones who were successful the timing was right mm. and lots of components were were kind of in the right place and the ones who went south um the timing was most likely wrong and we were probably investing in the the wrong kind of part of the value chain right but but the thesis was the same around the market and the the strong belief that there will be room for a lot of new companies and brands in the digitized music space. Today, I mean if you look back at your the 20 years of experience you have, what are you really good at? You would say. I think obviously you evolve over time and you know, um as an entrepreneur initially, uh, I was doing business in in a different market and the music space, but it was actually based on the same approach. Mm. it was based on a systematic uh, analytical approach to a market opportunity yeah. in that case it was the global communications market um and brand investment market and i did a couple of startups in that space and it was based on just analyzing it in terms of it's a huge market it's going to grow uh, there is multiple dysfunctionalities in the market and digitization will change how people fundamentally how people do business when investing in brand development so that was my initial thesis where i did two companies in that space as well and was able to exit with some money mm. um so uh, i think then i learned how to look at a market i learned how to analyze where in the value chain in that market the change will start and where in the value chain and that market the biggest opportunity is the biggest gap and so i've kind of improved that game and through every company that i've started analyzing the market understanding where the biggest change will be where the biggest opportunity in terms of gap will be and then it's back to execution right um being mm. able to create a business plan recruit a team fund that business plan and execute like in all companies and and all of those components 
are very, very complex and very, very hard to be successful within. Um, but through through the you know the, the multiple efforts, I think I've become better in all kind of components in that in that trip. Um, building a good solid business plan with logics that an investor can buy into, mm. uh, recruiting the right team and the right type of people first, then executing on certain stages of the company before fundraising at the right point. I think that's kind of the overall complexity of you know building a startup that is funded from um, venture capital or external investors. And I think I've become very good at kind of creating the prerequisites for an investor to invest in a thesis. Can you uh, talk a little bit more about that, uh, about this prerequisite? People always kind of default when you talk about a startup that you're always going to do a startup that's funded by some fancy venture capital firm, right? Mm. And that's obviously not the case. I mean, I pursue, perceive any, any entrepreneur starting a shop, a cafe, whatever, as, you know, an entrepreneur. And not all of them will go and raise money in the capital markets. Um, some of them will fund their business through their customers and doing business, which actually is the most solid business model, right? But yeah. if you want to move into the more forward-leaning, aggressive, high-risk type of startups where you need a lot of capital upfront, then obviously you need to recruit investors. And you need to create the prerequisites for an investor to invest in your company with a financial upside. Mm. So those prerequisites to try to address them in a systematic way is obviously being able to a show that market opportunity and that market changing and how that creates an opportunity for new entrants into that market. So that is kind of the first part of the prerequisites of, of raising funding mm. the market and the market opportunity and then you need to move into explaining that you are going to build a thesis a company a brand a team that's going to address a certain op part of that opportunity that is the most fruitful and makes the most sense based on where you're coming from when you kind of start talking about we're going after this part of the change and this part of the market then you need to say with this type of business model and this type of technology and with this team who can build this technology better than any other team in the world faster, this will then lead to this becoming actually a company that's making money, generating mm -hmm. revenue. And then you need to prove how you're going to scale that revenue to a certain point with, with certain profitability and then how you're going to invest in that scaling to increase the velocity of scale. So those are the prerequisites. And I think every entrepreneur who's raised money always kind of goes through this and tries to excel over time. But um, it's very, very difficult, obviously. Raising money is super hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, running a company is super hard anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, running a company and, and uh, raising money at the same time is obviously the maximum challenge of an entrepreneur. If I am correct, I think you, you sold or you exited two companies, right? Yes. Out of the four that you created. What lessons can you share there? You know, for what, what lessons have you learned along, along the way? If you look, if you compare the companies that 
you existed and, and the companies where you failed? Well, if we just take the, the last 12 years when, since I started working with music and, and kind of approaching the music thesis, Mm. Um, I started off uh, building a company that was called Tonium Pacemaker. We actually built hardware initially. And, but the thesis was the same. Once again, the mm. thesis was uh, music and the music market is changing right in front of us. It's changing in terms how music is produced. It mm -hmm. is changing uh, in terms of how music is distributed. Um, obviously from analog to digital, uh, both of them. And it's changing in terms of how consumers are consuming music. So digitization as such was transforming the whole music industry value chain at the same time. So then obviously uh, I started looking at where, where can I come in in the most effective way here? Where's the opening in the market? And the opening in the market, my initial thesis, which is still my thesis that I'm working on four companies later is in this market reality where all the music in the world is accessible anywhere, anytime. That was my belief that that was going to be the case. I think we're there now, right? Mm. Um, then the company or brand who will be able to filter and actually give the best recommendations and be the source of finding the right music for the right person or the right music for the right context, that company will be a very powerful player in the value chain. So my thesis was to build the company that creates the recommendation service or the place to go to find the music that fits me. And, and that thesis has been the same through the whole exercise, but it has changed given the evolution of the market. So my first company was a company where we, we started thinking about connecting with all the DJs in the world who mm. were actually, you know, the humans that were filtering music and picking out music and playing music. And the thesis was to replicate the DJ behavior through recommendation engine. So we started building a thesis around kind of connecting to the DJs of the world and extracting their music intelligence in order to provide all the listeners or, you know, normal people of the world with great music recommendations. Yeah. In, in order to get there, we actually were way too early because there was no app store at that time. There was only just the initial fragments of digitization of a dysfunctional, you know, music market. So we ended up building hardware with that company Mm -hmm. um, because we needed to build our own platform to actually attract DJs. So then we kind of lost our thesis. We started building hardware and then we became a hardware company selling Pacemaker, which was the world's first pocket-sized DJ system. And we started kind of changing our vision into uh, we're democratizing DJing. We're, we're making all the music tastemakers of the world empowered. And we lost track and we, we fell because building hardware as a startup Uh, is really hard and even more so you know 12 years ago raising 20 million um, us and trying to reiterate a hardware platform was very complex we built mm -hmm. hardware software online platform we did too much uh, because there was no infrastructure in place hence the timing was wrong and we crashed so that's kind of a lot of mistakes in in one execution effort but it started off with the right thesis the timing was wrong and the execution therefore ended up being wrong. Next 
startup was actually me acquiring the online platform of, of that company, Clonium, mm. which was just the online distribution of DJ mixes, meaning that DJ, I just bought a very thin component of my previous company. And then I started connecting with other DJ platforms and I let DJs of the world upload on that online platform, license their DJ mixes, and then opened that up for consumption on the consumer side, creating closer to what the vision was actually a taste exchange for music. Mm -hmm. uh, and that became very powerful very quickly because it was built on human curation. And that was the thesis. I mean, humans are really good. They're, they're really good at picking the right music for different types of uh, you know, context. And, and it became a very powerful exchange market between DJs and consumers. And it was still very early. And, and, and that company was called Let's Mix. And I had a big vision with that company to becoming, you know, Playlist 2.0 and so forth. And I was really happy about it because it was a small, very cheap team. I funded it myself and we were actually profitable um, right. directly. So that was a completely different um, so much better execution, much better idea. Um, then the situation ended up with me selling that company to a, a couple of powerful gentlemen in the U.S. who had a company called Beats by Dre, which was Dr. Dre, the, the, the rap artist and, and entrepreneur, and Jimmy Iovine, who had started Beats by Dre, the headphone company, yeah, and had nice. a vision about and had a vision of building, you know, the competitor to Spotify, the building beats into kind of the mainstream American music streaming platform. And we shared a lot of the same vision around humans being kind of the major driver of, of music curation. But my belief was it was somewhere in between man and machine and somewhere in between algorithms and, and uh, humans and editorial. And yeah. on that thesis, I was able to kind of take my small basement company into you know um the world league the nfl mm. the nba um the champion the champions league and and um, i took that leap of faith and said let's okay i'm gonna move from this comfortable very clear environment into a crazy environment uh, <laughs> with some crazy people that want to build a crazy big company. So, uh, but, uh, so it was a very big shift, but it was still on the same thesis. But at that point, um, I would say Let's Mix was successful because I was able to build a small company, very comfortable, very focused, and then flip it into Beats. And then we were actually able to, at the end of the day, launch Beats, mm. um, even though it was crazy, bring it out and then sell it to Apple. Uh, but by no means was that a, a clean path. Uh, it was, it was an absolute war zone. <laughs> but it's good, uh, it's good that you say that, that you're saying that it wasn't clear because we have the impression that, you know, it's, it's so easy to get acquired by big, by big companies and become a millionaire. <laughs> it's impossible. I would say it's one out of a million. And it was just pure luck stars were aligned and I, I can't even understand how that we were able to survive through that exercise uh, it was right. so dysfunctional and so broken and you know people will never know they will always watch you know the netflix series and 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 hear the interviews and like oh what an amazing entrepreneurial uh selling to apple for three billion plus 
Yeah. Uh, but I would say it was one out of a thousand that that deal would go come through. Mm. Um, and then obviously you might call that a success, but it, for me personally, it wasn't success because I was completely worn out. I was, you know, I was, I, I was a broken man after that exercise. Well, wow. for sure. Uh, but then I was able to kind of move back to Sweden um, and or just, you know, move everything back to my roots and to just, you know, small uh, focused thinking. And there was my fourth startup, which is now the company that I've been I've been pushing since 2014, mm. which is um, Soundtrack Your Brand, which is bringing music streaming to the B2B space, as, as I referred to earlier. And basically uh, taking this simple, simple logic of okay if music streaming happened in the consumer space uh, big time it most likely will also happen in the b2b space right mm. in the business market so i built the world's first like b2b music streaming platform uh, and i did that as my own small company i co-founded with spotify but uh, i was able to run it as my own you know company in my own way and that was very important for me because i've been taking it much more a much more structured step-by-step approach um in, in soundtrack than i was right. able to do with, with beats for example yeah so less of a mess more of a organized company more swedish style than LA style. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm, i'm listening to you and what i hear is a lot of different things i hear i hear do your homework I hear uh, have a clear purpose, what you call what you call thesis, uh, and stick to it. I hear be bold, be resilient, and you know be ready to work to work hard. For sure, I mean, by no means is there a, any shortcuts. Um, mm. I mean, I, any entrepreneur, successful or unsuccessful, uh, who has gone through it, it's like you have to be prepared to give it everything. Um, but you can do that in different ways with different psychologies. It's not about the hours you put in. It's about the discipline that you put in. Mm. Uh, and I think that's a very big difference. You need to really think about, and that's what I think, back to your question, what had, what, in what discipline have I improved through, throughout my different ventures? And I think within discipline and execution and focus mm. and avoiding distractions because i think avoiding distractions is one of those things that you mature into it's so easy in the beginning to take any type of opportunity oh we have this business development opportunity with company x we should throw all the developers on that for two months yeah. uh, i mean i think once again executional discipline and focus is something that takes time to get to and the confidence of saying no uh, the the and you know the conviction of that the no is the correct thing even though there's there might be dollar signs all over that opportunity saying yeah. no and staying focused i think that's how entrepreneurs evolve over time today where do you want to take your your business to what's what's your dream if you have any dream left no for sure i mean i think i it's not like just because i'm i'm going swedish style structure step by step i'm not, <laughs> I'm, i'm not aiming to become the global leader um mm. there's no other intent with this company of being the, the world market leader of b2b audio mm. and uh, 
that market is for sure up to grabs. I am the technology disruptor in that space. Um, I've re-architected music licensing for the B2B model. So I'm going after a multi-billion dollar market and becoming the number one player in that market for sure. There's no other ambition. Wow, that's a, that's a big, big uh, goal. That's why I went for the music space from the beginning. It's, it's changing. I mean, we, we're moving from around 350 million paying music subscribers in the consumer space uh, last year um, yeah. to pr predictions of 1.2 billion paying music subscribers in the consumer space by 2030 in, you know, in eight and a half years. So this market has just started and the consumer space will keep, you know, that's where the, the big fight's going to be between, you know, the Spotify and the Apples and the Amazon. Mm. I'm just going to fly behind and build the B2B platform when we prepared this uh, interview uh, you told me that you wanted to build a small but very profitable business can you tell us a little bit more about that what do you mean by that right and that's more kind of if the what is becoming you know the unquestioned global leader in b2b music streaming or audio um how I'm going to achieve that is going to be significantly different than what I've done previously in the consumer space, because that mm. has been, you know, gun ho running, recruiting hundreds of people and so forth. And this opportunity, actually, I think laser focus and creating the diamond of the music industry is my ambition on mm. how to do it, meaning maximizing scale. Uh, I think just to explain it in, in you know, more tangible terms, I think we can build uh, a multi-billion dollar company uh, with less than 150 employees. And okay. just by being very, very focused on our execution and our go-to-market strategy and focusing on technology leadership and technology scale and how mm -hmm. we build the machine rather than, you know, building on lots of different kind of components, just focusing on one business model and excelling within that business model. Well, I hope uh, people will hear you and they will get inspired by that. <laughs> I think it's hard. It's easy to say, of course. It's of course. once again, I, I think there's so many distractions where you can, maybe you raise too much money if you're, you know, lucky to raise too much money and then mm -hmm. your investor says you need to start investing in opportunity b c and d and you say no we we are just in the beginning of a and we need to you know really excel within a first and say no way you need to start broadening your 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 approach that's not where i want to end up i want to control my own destiny because right now i'm super focused on online distribution and online sales into the small business market. And I'm actually focusing on a couple of markets initially. When that has been concluded, I will add the mid market, the enterprise market, and then I will add additional business models on top of it, but not everything at the same time. And that's a completely different way of some companies that have to go do all five, 10 things at the same time. Mm -hmm. it, can, it can work for sure. But if I prefer the kind of sequential approach and really nailing one model before expanding. Right. Well, it seems to be to, to be working for you. 
But I mean, I can see that also in my for myself. I'm a solopreneur. I'm happy. I'm happy with that. And I and I see that when I don't have this laser of, uh, sharp focus, I'm getting distracted by so many opportunities out there, and I, you know, and I lose track of where what I want to do, where I want to go, and why I'm doing the things I'm doing. So I, I think this there's lessons for absolutely every entrepreneurs out there. For sure. And I think another kind of way of dividing it, and I'm not saying anything, both can work. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of examples of companies just done everything at the same time and become huge and mm. successfully done. So, but, um, for, but I think there's kind of a distinction between being product and technology led uh, or being sales and commercially led. And I think I come more from the product and technology where I really want to set the product and the technology leadership first. So we really know that the product is there. It can scale. It has high product market fit and it's really hard to replicate. Then I want to start like really investing money in growth because then it scales and the product is 100% scalable. I like that. And that will allow us to unlock you know, unheard of profitability in the company. And I'm really, really keen on profitability. I'm really keen on margins. I'm really keen on, you know, an extremely profitable company. That's kind of what drives me right now. What are you the most proud of? I think perhaps my ability to survive <laughs> in this industry. <laughs> I made it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still here, right? And, and I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't given up yet on, on yeah. kind of the music industry and I think there's a lot of people who have to give up who just said like okay it's just too hard because it's it's a very complex dysfunctional industry uh, the, you mm. know if you think you can apply logic then think again <laughs> because <laughs> it's just it's just like it, it's very very different to other markets it's you know it's a creative market space I've been able to survive four companies. I've been able to stay uh, focused on my thesis, even though I've, been, I've failed many times. Um, and I've been able to come back. And I think the perseverance and conviction around my thesis and the ability to pay my bills based on that, I think, and you know, spend enough time with my kids to kind of hang out with my family and kind of combine this this lifestyle mm. uh, in this very hard market i think um, i'm proud of that if you look at your entire experience you know and if i ask you to give one recommendation and only one to entrepreneurs out there what would it be i think my recommendation would be expect nine out of ten days to be failures all right <laughs> oh wow and pre prepare for that yeah. and that that day that you that's not a failure and make that day count it's yeah. about expectation setting because if you're not prepared for that and ready to fight through those odds then i don't think you're going to make it this show is called interviews cracking the entrepreneurship code have you cracked the code by no means i don't think anyone has cracked it I think the whole beauty of this is that it's kind of an art form and it changes over time. Um, the components are more or less the same. I mean, technology, people, thesis, market, execution. Mm. Uh, but the, 
the, the way of doing it changes quickly. So the code will not last more than maybe for one instance. So uh, the code will be ever changing. Um, it's a dynamic, organic process. You will not be able to write a book about how to be a successful entrepreneur because the day you, you publish it, it has changed. <laughs> Damn. Well, you, you are Sorry. just breaking my Sorry mind. if I just destroyed your, your, your own thesis. <laughs> you, I mean, there's a lot of shitty books that sell in big volume. So don't, you know, once again, write the book and, and push it out there. <laughs> But don't think that. that you have the the universal solution for for building a you know building a unicorn. No, no, no. I I agree with you com completely. <laughs> last last question question, Ola. How can people contact you? Uh, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. That's the easiest place. I actually I'm actually really starting to like LinkedIn. It's taken me a long time and kind of just really not liking it but for now i think actually the professional network is quite good mm. so I, i'm the only ola sars on linkedin so you can't miss me cool well actually i confirmed this is how we got to know each other <laughs> yeah that's right that's right no i mean i don't want to be pushing it too much but i actually kind of really think it's become a good platform indeed well thank you very much for your time ola today thank you for having me and um, enjoy your day And thank you all for listening. If you like this podcast, please share your favorite episode on social media so we can inspire as many entrepreneurs as possible. See you next time. Bye-bye.